0: Welcome everyone, this episode is on Bergman and Bevan, a Swedish serial acquirer, probably one of the oldest, the OG serial acquirers out there. Uh, The company sells niche industrial and construction products, but also has a more commoditized B2B distribution business, which is around 40 to 45% of revenue. This is one of the most interesting ideas we've come across in the last 18 months, mainly given its history, the new CEO, the runway, and the, the valuation, which last time I looked was trading around 12 times normalized free cash flow. There was a long potential long runway of a creative MA ahead. It's a much messier and slightly more complex story than the LIFCOs or constellations of the world. But I guess that's why it's so interesting. Please enjoy it and let us know what you think. And as always, please do your own research. Nothing here is investment advice. So what did you think of the Bergman and Bevan
1: piece? I thought it was pretty interesting. And I'm actually going to turn the question around to you and ask you, how you came across this business? Well, I've, I've known about the
0: history of the business for, for years. And it's, and it's actually quite funny because Bergman and Bevan is the, is, is the OG. It's the OG kind of serial acquirer, right? It started over a hundred years ago. Um, and not, not traditionally serial, or as we know, serial acquires today in terms of consolation and those types, but, um, the history is kind of well known in this space, but actually, the, the mothership today, i.e., Bergman and Bevan, the listed equity, the listed company, if you look at the numbers, it looks pretty crap. And so, everyone doesn't really pay attention to it. You know, we're all, we're, we're all kind of interested in Lifco and Trade and Lagerkrans and and those businesses that have clean high return on equities and breaks and, and and nice organic growth. And so this business has been, I didn't really pay too much attention to it for that reason, I guess like everyone else. And then really what came across my radar was that they had a change in management a couple of years ago and the guy who's now running, the current CEO, spent 14 years at Lagerkrantz running M&A for... Jorgen, the current CEO at, at, Live at Kranz. Um and and after quickly looking through his his commentary or his presentations, it's pretty clear that that business is, in a, is is on a very different path than it was over the last five years. And maybe it's worth just going through a bit of history because it is quite complicated.
1: Well, I think so, and there's the, there's a couple of there's the history of the business itself, and then Magnus's history, which which I found particularly interesting in the interview you did with him. Well,
0: yeah. So going back then, would have been 110 year, probably longer, 130, 40 year history. Um, so originally started off, and the Nordics is quite an interesting space because obviously there's various different languages in in the Nordics, right? And historically, you know, Pre-World War II, even World War I, a lot of the European and, and Western or even Japanese industrials that were selling either machinery or equipment or just industrial goods. It found it very difficult to get access to the Nordics, right? And so what they would use is these, basically just these sales offices, right? And people just set up a stop, set up a shop and like, all right, I'm going to sell Samsung or, you know, X... Uh, Nordic industrial players. I'm going to sell your products in the Nordics for you, and and be a B two B distributor, right? And 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 basically take some inventory off you, manage that, sell it to sell it to the end manufacturing plants in the Nordics. Um, And that was really the birth of kind of the the B two B distribution, or the B two B distribution business. And beyond that, what they started to do was do called value added distribution, which was. Do services installation, technical advice, all that kind of stuff, and because that's kind of the value added part, i.e., the a bit where you actually earn margin on just rather than just being a reseller. So that became that's what I noticed is kind of for these companies because you know this is it's a very interesting space to to resell products both in IT. You get it throughout Europe in terms of IT resellers too, not only industrial industrial goods that it's, it's a very stable and I guess, um, yeah, an in, interesting business if, if, if run well. Um, but so Bergman and Bevin have done it for hundreds of years, very decentralized would roll up, you know, small local distributors. And it was a very profitable model until they reached, uh, well, before that they spun off Adtech flag Lago France. So they basically built this up internally similar to what Constellation do, right? They had, they spun out Topicus and Lumine and, and they, Berger and Bevin done ad tech, um, like Crohn's in 2001, 2002. Um, and then, and then later ad tech done, done ad life. And then what happened? I don't know what happened, but towards mid 2010s, they just completely lost their way. And I, it's really fascinating. I don't, I don't actually know what happened, but.
1: Yeah, some kind of vertical integration ex- ex- exercise. Well, I, don't where going where it I don't know where it come
0: from. I don't know where it comes from. That's the question, right? You have, a, you have hundreds of years of where, where, you know, an ad tech and love, bearing in mind the last 15 years before this happened, you know, were, were great success stories in the Nordics. And then for whatever reason, it made sense at the time to, for, for these, for, for Bevan and Bevan. To experiment with vertical integration, I right? so they tried to buy, or they actually founded B and B Tools. It's basically a retail chain uh, to sell products, sell their products, you know. And, and and long story short, it just didn't didn't work out. You know, this whole centralization, governance, and vertical integration strategy didn't work out. So that led to, over the last four or five years, which is what, what's unraveled, which is lots of spins and rename, <laughs> renaming jobs. And it's just, it's to be honest, it's pretty confusing. So, but to simplify it, Badwin and Bevan, the, the original mothership, um, so we take for the last 20 years. So 2000, 2001, they spun out Lovercrumbs and Adtech. This is the, call it the more uh, purer, B2B distribution businesses, and they ended up going to buy a product companies, which you can talk about in a sec. But so they spun out I'd Second and Price two thousand and one. That that then just like they kept the more tools and consumables business. And so then in two thousand I think it was fifteen, uh, they started the vertical integration strategy. Didn't work out. This is where it gets interesting because um, the current Momentum Group CEO was then hired at BM Bergman Bevin and Bevin. Now what he done is he busted up. The, he he come in and said that no, this doesn't, doesn't work. Let's get back to our roots. And he ended up busting up all the business. So what happened was effectively Bergman and Bevin spun out Momentum Group, which was uh, one of the or well, part of the business. And and of you know, the, the current Momentum Group CEO, kind of pioneered this. Anyway, he spun out Momentum Group. They then bought that spin out. Then bought an, an, another retail business to combine with the current B&B, tool, the B&B tools business they owned, which is now called Alego, which is also listed. So basically, they split up all the retail businesses, which is now under Alego, and now they have Momentum Group, which is which is also separate. So basically, out of out of Bevan and Bevan, over the last five years, it's become, it's become free. It's become M- M- Bevan and Bevan, it's become Alego, and it's become Momentum Group. All pioneered by the Momentum Group CEO, right? Which makes me think, you know, <laughs> and he's the CEO of that listed company. So he's obviously, you know, I mean, he's clearly planned this to benefit Momentum Group, right, which is another, maybe another thing to discuss later on. But so what happened then is the current Bergman and Bevin listed business has their three segments in their reporting structure. But really, I, I kind of look at it as two businesses, two different businesses. It's a B2B distribution business, which includes Luna, and another uh, PPE kind of distributor, and it includes then it includes all the other called it, product companies, right? And and what makes this particularly interesting is that Magnus, where he comes from Lagercrans, he spent 15, fourteen years buying product companies, like proper serial acquisitions, so programmatic acquisition. He's done sixty, he's done sixty acquisitions in. In, in 14, 15 years, right? He's been doing four or five a year for 15 years. Like, there's not many people on planet Earth that have done that, right? So, and, and you can check what that done to Lagocrines, obviously in, improved the margin structure and the return on equity and stuff like that. But this, you know, so he's really building I call it a mini Lagercrans, or this is effectively Lagocrines, you know, 15 years ago, running the same strategy but obviously massive caveat that they have these two bit their two, uh, 50% of the revenue is B2B distribution. And that's the catch, right? Where the, you know, Luna is they're reselling or bit of value added, but mainly just more commoditized distribution on tools and consumables and all that kind of stuff. So somewhat commoditized distribution business, which is why the business currently earns, you know, it seems like it earns low, Returns on capital, and it's not that attractive to some, you know, on the surface. But actually, when you dig inside, now I was looking through the numbers earlier, and since Magnus took over, let me just pull up my my numbers here. Like the incremental the incremental return on it, on on capital is nearly twenty five percent, and return equity is a bit higher. So so that because he is taking all the free cash flow from the business and reinvesting it in in product companies, i.e. those that own intellectual property, and brands, and not just a reselling you know screws and hammers and stuff like that, right? Which is commoditized. But but back to the original point, like this is what, what becomes what's very what I what I get interested about is that people and maybe you know, there's, there's another discussion around like, oh, what 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 serial acquirers are interesting You know, because this is a more complex one, or you know, not as not as pure as judges or constellation or some of these other companies. But it, but it's obviously it's trading at well. When I looked at it a few months ago, it's trading at twelve times free cash flow. Right, there's not there isn't a business that is you know, there's, there's buying companies for. Five, six times EBIT, and they're spending 50, 60% of free cash flow and f- acquiring five, to six uh, business of five, six times EBIT and trading at 12 times free cash flow. Now, that is obviously because they also have 40% of their business in this sort of lower quality company
1: operation. Well, what has shaped your opinion right now on their ability to improve Luna uh, and 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 for that matter, Magnus's ability to bring in what he learned building logocrons. Well, I mean, I, I, I
0: have no opinion, no, no strong, strong opinion that they can improve it other than what I've seen in the numbers. And the numbers, again, it's hard to see exactly what Luna's operating at because they segment it within tools. But really, you can back out and try and back out what Luna is operating at. And last quarter was the was the highest margin for that segment in history. And and Luna's the biggest part of that. So, and he's, he will explain, he did explain on the interview, he said that he's not he's, he's cut out all un, unprofitable business. Cause you know, it's like these big distributors, you get these big brands, right? That own you know, very strong brands that the end customer wants either whatever tools or consumables or equipment, you know, they call the shots, right? There's huge bargaining power in that. So the, and Luna just wants the volume. So they don't take any margin they're practically they're probably they're, it seems like they were losing money on some business to get to the scale right and so magnus has come in and has cut that and that, that's you know it's it's tricky it's a tricky business to do that because when you when as a distributor when you do do that you know it drains your returns on capital because you have to hold the inventory right? if you're if you're a big brand and I'm a distributor and I need your volume i'm going to say just ship me your stuff i'll 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 I'll, I'll store it I'll, I'll, I'll take some inventory off your plate I and mean, it frees up your capital. So you love it. You know, you choose, you choose me as a distribution rather than someone else, because I take, I free up your, your, your capital base, you know, and, 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 but it, but it drains my capital. So, so it seems like he's, Magnus is coming in saying, look, I'm happy to not grow organically Luna. And that's also part of the challenge when you are, when you are focused on just B2B distribution you want you want to grow, and and typically they they eat capital when they grow, right? Because you need to, you know, when you're a distributor, what do you, what does your customer care about? Like the handyman, the builder, or, or they want always stock stock availability, and they want good credit terms, right? So they want so you don't so as a distributor, you you need to have always in you need to be always in stock. It's like Howdens or Pool Club or Fasten or any of these businesses, right? You need wide inventory and you need always in stock which costs money and then you need good credit terms which means you don't get paid quickly so so that you know that eats, that eats up capital right and and i think what he's done is he said look i don't need to grow luna because i'm growing by acquisition so so that what happens then you've got this weird dynamic which is you know it's a dynamic that doesn't attract people because when you look at constellation and you look at LIFCO judges, you You always ask, what's the organic growth, right? You want organic growth. So, but, but Luna is purposely declining organically. Right? They're, they're, they're saying no to business because it's unprofitable. So what we're going to see is the, the, the consolidated top line for Bergen & Bevan is going to slow is, – is the, the B2B side of the business is going to decline because Luna's declining. But all that capital is going to be freed up then, so the returns – the margins are going to increase – and all the capital is going to be reinvested in acquisitions, which is going to grow the top line. So you're going to get probably low, mid, single-digit top line growth, but probably ten, fifteen, twenty percent A growth, EBITDA growth. So it's it's this you know it's so it's, it's basically just a much more complicated you know story, but it's that's why it's trading at twelve times free cash, and not thirty and you know, thirty odd that everyone else is trading at. But then, you know, the question I ask myself is, well, why why bother?
1: <laughs>
0: why bother? Why not just, why, you know, why take that risk in buying somewhat of a lower quality asset?
1: What have you learned about what drives Magnus Hudderland? I mean, I don't know him too well, right, so, but...
0: It seems like he knows what he's good at, and it seems like he has a track record in Lagerkrans, and now he's got a chance to shape his own track record publicly. I think that's enough. And he bought three million of stock, euro, out of his own money, which I think means a lot. Well, is it's, yeah, it's better than nothing. And they have a good board, right? I mean, the Lagerkrans guys on the board, I guess he backs him, and so it's you know, the 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 board know what they're doing. But and that's where it it will be interesting to see what happens. With, because if I was running this business, for example, if you compare Constellation or Judge's Scientific or Lyft, like these businesses, mm-hmm. right, they have high margins, high high EBIT A margins, yep. no working cap, no working capital drag as it grows, so all the free cash flow effectively, like think about like, the P and L, right, like all, all of that EBIT A, like e- operating income plus amortization of intangibles. That converts into free cash flow at a higher rate, probably hundred percent. Right, so you basically have all of your free cash flow, and that's the whole model, right? All this free cash flow you have, it requires little capex into the business. Maybe a tiny bit of R and D or capex for, for some of these businesses just to just to stand still because it's not growing too much organically. So all that free cash flow can be reinvested in acquisition. So you've got hundred percent. So if you're running, if you're running a, to make it simple. If you're running twenty percent return on equity. And you've got hundred percent free cash flow and you can reinvest it 20%. You, you can go to 20% a year just by, by reinvesting it. You know, plus the, plus the, plus the growth, plus the growth rate in existing business. Now, if I'm running B, Bowen and Bevan, like I'm, I've got this, I've got Luna there that's making me only invest 50% of my free cash flow. It's like having one arm, right? So I think at some point in time, he's going to come to a stage where it's like, this This is not w- what I want. And 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 I think trying, trying to sell the business, because it will almost, it won't, you know, it will free up free, not only free up the free cash flow to reinvest, to grow quicker, it will, it will improve the return on equity, return on invested capital for the whole business. And also just like, I mean, it's obviously much more difficult to run a business like that than it is to run you know, live crimes or, or judges. So it seems to me that that would be the wisest thing to do at some point. Now, obviously there's the history of Bevan and Bevan don't sell, they're perpetual owners. Um, and I also don't know how much of the, actually no, I do know. Um, well, so the product companies sell via Luna, right? There is some intra-company revenue. It's not that much, actually. I think it's five odd percent. But what I don't know is if if you did spit out Luna, would the new Luna owner want to sell Bergman Bevering companies? Is the IP in the brand strong enough to actually sell? Would you lose? Would it impair some of the value that you have in in, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your business if you sold Luna? So that's an unknown, but, but it seems to me like the benefits would outweigh the, the risks here. And if you do do that, you also get multiple arbitrage, right? I mean, you, you, the multiple wouldn't be twelve times free cash flow because the returns on equity and capital would be, would be on par with, or at least close to where all the other guys are, and and so you get, yeah, you you just get a much cleaner business
1: in theory. In theory, yeah.
0: Well, but but they've done this, and, and you see this often, right? Like, I mean, looking SDI uh, Tech, uh, SDIP Tech, whatever it's called, the. I haven't looked at that business too much, but I just, I was scanning it a few days ago and they'd done something similar. They spun out two old, two old, call it crappier businesses, low margin. Um, and it went, it went, it was like eight, it was like eight, there was seven, eight percent EBITDA margin. I mean, Luna's like two percent EBITDA margin. I backed it out, it's like one, one, two, three if you're lucky, but it's, not, it's probably sub two percent. So SDR protect they sold these two businesses seven eight percent margin bought another business for thirty percent margin and the stocks up five x in like four three years <laughs> because you've got a completely different business they spun out two crappier businesses and bought and bought an excellent business you changed the whole you changed the whole structure of the bit of the of the capital base and and the returns. and I, I think that's possible here but we we'll see. I mean, I have faith that they'll do the wisest thing, and maybe they'll say, "Actually, do you know what? I can get Luna to you know, maybe this, if you get Luna to five percent EBIT margins, then maybe it's worth worth keeping."
1: Yeah. So, in sum, you've got you've got a business with an illustrious history in the region that's gone through a vertical exper- uh, vertical integration experiment that's gone wrong. You've got a leader that's now. Quite a complex situation actually in um, in actually disentangling w- what Bergman and beving is now post post these spin outs but you you have right it's it's just quite quite hard to work out where it is it doesn't look attractive relative to to some of these other acquirers um as you wrote in the analysis piece we published the the numbers suggest it's it's barely earned it's cost of capital. Um, and now you have magnus Soderlin that 's come in who 's got a pretty credible pedigree um that that is looking well
0: like, you can see it if you back if you back up the last 12, 11, 11, 12 quarters whatever it is ten eleven quarters of since he 's been there. I mean, the numbers tell you that the return on capital is like double 2.5X, what the historical numbers. And bear in mind, you can't have, because of and the reason why we said the history at the start, you can't, you can't even go back five years for this business because the businesses don't exist there. They've gone. They're a Lego, they're a the retail business, they're a momentum. You know, it's very, so, and that's where, it's probably trading where it is because firstly, it's complicated. Secondly, the numbers look crap. And thirdly, there's a very short history on what these businesses actually can do. But he, and, but the reason what's interesting is like Magnus is he is an MA guy. Right? He's 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 allocating two hundred and fifty million sec a year, right, on, on, on acquiring businesses at fifteen percent EBA margin, you know, and he's he's paying He's basically playing one times revenue, right? Five six times profit, EBA. Right? He's doing and he's going to do that, and that that's his game. And and one thing I can be sure is that he's going to allocate that every year. Well, I'd like to. That's what I think he would do because that's his game. And and really, like it, you know, it's two hundred and fifty million, but it could be more than that if they freed up cash flow. So, but even with, and, and I think why the valuation looks really attractive is that you don't even need, you can model out lunar decline. You know, I've modeled out lunar decline in two, 3% a year for the next five, six years. And and Magnus acquiring or spending 250 million sec on, on businesses, which is basically done this year already. He's got another month. He might acquire something in March, but he's pretty much to 235 million already. The business will just keep on compounding it. 20, EBIT a will compound at fifteen twenty percent a year. He's got to acquire five companies at the same valuation. He's obviously got to know what he's doing and, and, and be diligent at that. But if you you can you can afford for Luna to decline, actually I, I model it out four percent for the next two years and then three percent and a, ma- a bit of margin improvement because they're selling off because you know as, as they reduce the the volume the quality of the business increases because they're keeping better business so you can you can pretty much get there to a nice a, a high teens return yeah we're, we're, we're just acquiring five companies a year and, and run the strategy they run. now obviously the big risk is that Luna is just throws your a curveball because it's very difficult and who knows or well, it's a big recession and Luna, the revenue declines 15% because, you know, that's the risk we're buying. That's what I mean by why do I bother? Because that would be the risk of why you don't
1: buy crappier assets and just buy Constellation. <laughs> so, so you've got a situation that in, in theory could be interesting for reasons we've spoken about. What research questions do you have right now that you're exploring or that you'll continue to explore in the next few months? Well, I want to learn more about Luna.
0: I want to learn more about Luna. There's a bit of history there about why Luna is structurally impaired. And there's a big business called Alcell, which does it, which is, which succeeded in vertical integration. Uh, that's been eating its lunch, but yeah. And then also, I mean, this leads into another interesting area that I'm looking at, which is momentum. You know, just, just, just fundamentally, right? If, if you're, if you're a CEO of, of, of the original mothership, Bevin and beverning. And then you've spun out your own little version. I'm pretty damn sure you're going to spin out some nice stuff. Right? <laughs> so maybe I'm completely missing the point now, and I should be looking at that rather than this. But you know, and and it does look like a better business. So the momentum is is does seem like it's yeah a higher quality. B- distribution business, they do. Uh, It's much more service-based, so much closer to the It Seems to be more like a, not a Fastenal, but more of a Fastenal than a Rexel, if you know what I mean. So Rexel is like a a, a kind of French electrical uh, supplier distributor in uh, or throughout Europe. Fastenal is much, it's basically on their customer sites a lot of the time. So Momentum, the the core business of Momentum, which is actually like 70, 80% of their business, is in that nice industrial B2B company, which has more recurring revenue, whereas uh, Luna has like no recurring revenue, fact- you know, factually, um, although it might act like recurring revenue. But I don't know how much and how good off can be, at, the momentum can be at m and and it's 30 times free cash, but maybe it's worth paying 30 times than, than, than 12 times, right? You never know.